0: Praise the Lord. We're going to continue on this morning with our series that we've been discussing. Last week, we started talking about the fact that uh, when it becomes New Year's, often people like to create New Year's resolutions, amen, and they like to go, okay, this year, I'm going to be healthier. This year, I'm going to do this. This year, I'm going to do that. This year, I'm going to... Eat less cake, you know, all these kind of things we we talk about. We make New Year's resolutions, but the problem we often find is that we're focused on our past, right? And because we focus on our past, we can't see where we're going clearly. And so our first lesson we were talking about last week was this idea that, yes, we need to repent of the mistakes we've made in our past. We need to go and begin again, but we don't need to keep going back to it and looking at it. We need to move forward, amen? We need to move forward. And today we're going to continue on with this series of lessons. And if you've got your Bibles, I've got a, a series of scriptures I want to read with you. So why don't you turn with me to John chapter 15, the Gospel of John. It's good to see everyone that's here this morning. I, I see a few unfamiliar faces, and we're very grateful that you're here today. Don't stay unfamiliar for long. I'm glad you came. I want you to keep coming and... There's a place here for you with us. John chapter 15. We're going to go to verse 5. Everyone say amen when you're there. John chapter 15, verse 5. It says, I am the vine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Turn with me now to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Start reading in verse 16. says Paul writing, he says, "This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary. Everyone say, contrary." You all know what the word contrary means, right? We ask Jonathan to clean up his room. Sometimes he is contrary. <laughs> contrary. The one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Skip down to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. Everyone say the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of your own efforts. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And we'll get to that in a second. It says it's love, joy, peace, Long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And one last scripture for you in the book of James. It's towards the end of your Bible. James chapter 1. It's just after the book of Hebrews. James chapter 1 and verse 22. Everyone say amen when you're there. Say wait on me if you're not there yet. James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself and goes his way, and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. Praise the Lord. This morning we're going to talk about consecration. About building an altar. Put your hands up this morning. If you currently are looking after a child that is under the age of eight at your home, quick show of hands, go on. Okay. I have found by experience that children under the age of eight like to touch things, especially things like iPads and phones and screens. And have you ever looked at your iPad or your phone after your child, your sweet, sweet child, has finished playing with it? I don't know about you, but my screen looks like it needs a hazmat control on it. It's filthy. There's bits of spit and chips and... Sticky finger marks and lollies and just. There. And I don't want to touch it. For those of you who wear glasses, now I happen to be married to someone who wears glasses. And if I happen to kiss her and my cheek brushes her glasses and leaves a little smudge on her glasses, Oh my Lord, have mercy. She's got to pull them off. She's got to clean them and polish them. And, cars, and then if she gets a scratch on it, oh, my goodness. There's a scratch on my glass. Oh, I can't see. I'm blind. I'm being a little bit facetious. <laughs> I got the microphone. <laughs> Your eyes work in a similar way. The good thing is, is that your eye is very good at cleaning itself. But we have a lens in our eyes, very similar to glasses. And they focus the light onto our retina in our eye. And a series of nerves then translate that into electrical impulses which travel to your brain. And they translate what your eye is seeing so you can make sense of it. I can see that Brother Kenneth is wearing a blue Tie, because the light of his tie is hitting my eye, and my eye is processing it, and it's going into my brain and translating those electrical signals as, that's the color blue. Amen? The problem is, is that when that lens becomes damaged, it becomes harder to see, doesn't it? Or when that lens doesn't work properly, we have to put glasses on, right? Now, here's, here's the thing. In the spiritual sense, the lenses at which we view the world can sometimes become smudged, can sometimes become covered with stuff, and we've got to try and clean them off so we can see clearly again. Other times, our lenses can become damaged, spiritually speaking, and we can no longer see things as clear as what we used to see them, amen? And consecration, spiritually, is like cleaning your glasses. Consecration enables you to see things clearly. It gives you the vision back to be able to see what is important and what is not important. It gives you the vision to be able to see what does God like and what does God want. And what is God's plan for my life? And what is the direction that God is setting for me? The problem is, is that with no consecration, our vision becomes cloudy. And we can't see where we're going. And we can't see the direction that God wants us to go on. And we we can begin to wander off and lose our focus and lose our direction. See, what we're talking about this morning is more than just a New Year's resolution. You know, and we spoke a little bit about this week, but but it takes a lot more than just a resolution to experience long term change. It's quite fascinating. At the moment, I'm reading a book that has a section and it that talks about how to form habits, and and I've been going around it all wrong. So now I'm I've got to adjust how I make habits. Amen. But it, it takes a lot more than just New Year Resolution. Let me, give you, let me give you a statistic. This one's from America. It says that 45% of all Americans make New Year's Resolution. Does anyone want to have a guess at how many of those New Year's Resolutions are actually achieved? About 8%. Some people manage to do it through sheer willpower. But the vast majority of resolutions... I think I I heard or I read somewhere that the average time it takes to break a resolution you've made on New Year's Eve is around about February the 3rd. That's depressing, isn't it? It takes a lot more than just a resolution. It takes a lot more than just mental willpower and a moment of passion and excitement to be able to truly change your life and turn your life around. For long-term growth, spiritually speaking... And for long-term change, we need more than just resolutions. We need godly consecration. In Galatians chapter 5, we read it already. Why don't we turn back there again? Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 it Says this I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh or in other words they are against each other they are diametrically opposed to each other they both want completely and utterly different things. They are contrary the one to another. So you cannot, someone say you cannot. You cannot do the things that you would. You cannot perfect yourself with your own hard work. You cannot just make up your own mind and your own will and by your own power and your own strength and say, I am going to be a better Christian. It doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. It is only when you walk in the Spirit that you can stop catering to the things that your flesh desires, those, those impulses that we try to keep under control, amen. And walking in the Spirit helps you make choices that bring your life and bring your purpose into focus. Someone say amen. See, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And after advising Christians to walk in the Spirit, Paul then lists the fruit of the Spirit. But the problem we have as Christians is that we look at those fruit. And we try and make up our own mind and by our own willpower to say, Okay, this year, I'm going to be more patient with people. This year, I'm going to be more humble. This year, I'm going to just make a real good effort and I'm going to be more meek. And the problem is, is that it's not fruit of our own labor. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It is only when we walk after the Spirit that we begin to see the fruit of the Spirit... In our lives. Amen. See, they are there because they are the result of what the, the Spirit does in our life. Not as the result of our own effort in our life. These results are the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. The work of the Holy Spirit living in our hearts as we walk with God in faith and obedience. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go to John chapter fifteen. I want to read you verse five here. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. Now, this is the part we often skip over, right? We, we like the, yeah, abide in me. He abides in me. Yeah, yeah, we're with Jesus. We're all good. We're walking together. It's going to be great. But we miss this last part in the verse. It says this, for without me, you can do what? Nothing. Wow. So what that's telling me as a Christian is that if I truly want to be a Christian, if I truly want to live for God, I need to realize that I will never make it on my own. I will never do it by my own willpower. I will never be able to make myself good enough. I have to come to God and I have to say, Jesus, allow your spirit to lead my life. Let my life be 100%. Submitted and dedicated to you so that I can have the fruit of the Spirit, so that I can walk after the things of God, so that I'm not falling and fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. And it's got to be 100% because without Him, we can do what? Nothing. That's right. And so this year, our main course of action should not be to solemnly swear. That I will do better. It should not be necessarily just to do a better diet or to, to break a certain habit or, or to not keep falling and sinning in a one particular way that we keep doing, but and, and it should not just include this. Do we ever do this? Maybe I'm the only one that do, does this, right? Where we, we mess up with God and we go, God, I promised never to do that again. Hello? When I was younger, I used to do it all the time. Oh, God, I messed up. I promise, God, I promise, God, that I will not do it again. The problem is, is I'm trying to do it in my own willpower. What happens? For a while, my willpower lasts. But because it is based in flesh, eventually, I break my promise. And I muck up again. Oh, God, I promised to do it again. Hello? Hello? You see, those kind of promises are usually made in the heat of the moment. And and time moves on and resolve begins to fade and resolutions are broken. and, And the problem with that is it begins to breed feelings of failure in your heart. You begin to feel like, man, I just can't live for God. I keep messing up. And the more we try and do it in our own willpower, the more we fail. And it starts to begin a cycle that just begins to happen over and over and over and over again in in our mind. But what we need to do is instead of promising God, we need to learn how to practice consecration in our life every day. When we make a mistake, and we're going to make a mistake, get up. Not so much with a renewed resolve to not mess up again, but get up with this understanding that I want to make a renewed consecration to Jesus Christ. You know, in the Bible, people built altars as an act of worship and consecration. And to, to consecrate something means to set it apart as sacred, and so when you consecrate your life to God, what you are doing is you're setting your life aside for the purpose of God and saying, God, I'm going to dedicate my life to you. It doesn't mean you can't run your own business or have a job or have a nice house or have a nice car or anything like that. I'm not saying we need to become monks, right? But it means that God's priorities become our priorities. He becomes our number one focus. And we look to Him for direction and purpose, in our life, amen, many people do not really understand what it means to be consecrated. As a matter of fact, often we're very, very quick to claim that we have consecrated our lives to God. Oh, I'm a Christian. My life is consecrated to God. The problem is, is that I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in the lives of others, is that just because we say these things, often we still live lives that are far from what we say they should be. If we were truly consecrated, amen. But here's the thing, consecration demands sacrifice and it demands dedication. To call yourself a Christian is by definition to commit every area of your life to Jesus. That doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect because there's no one here that's perfect. And we're all at different stages in our walk with God. So so we can't sit back and go, well, I've made it now. Because none of us are perfect, right? But what it does mean is that every day in our life, we build and we maintain an altar in our life to continually make sure that we are consecrated and dedicated to God. Building an altar is not a one-time event. It's not something that just happens on a Sunday, you know, where the pastor preaches a particularly inspiring message and we feel the presence of God. And we go to the altar and God, you know, I want to live my life for you. And, you know, and then we leave and the emotion of that moment is gone. Right? That's not consecration. That's not altar building. You know, it's not like a New Year's resolution. Building an altar doesn't just happen in a single moment, but it's a process of time. It doesn't just happen when you receive the Holy Spirit. It doesn't just happen when you're baptized in Jesus' name. It, it's not something you just do and, and click off a checklist. Yep, altar built. Read my Bible today and pick up the milk. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. You see, think about it. The very term building, it denotes something that takes time. Amen. It's it's something that happens moment by moment, day by day. A little bit here, a little bit there. You know, it it happens when you wake up a little bit earlier in the morning to spend some time in prayer. It, It happens when you spend a little bit of time fasting, when you spend a little bit of time reading your Bible. It happens in your life when you make choices that are based on purity and integrity and choices that are based on God's word. Amen. It's not like playing with Lego. Right. It's hard work. It requires sacrifice. But it also pays eternal dividends because we get closer to God and we become more like him. You know, all all structures must have a foundation, and, and an altar is no different. And the foundation that we need to build our altar on in our life, and I'm not talking about a literal altar, okay? I don't want people going home building a literal altar in their home, right? I'm talking spiritually here. The foundation, it must be built on the foundation of God's Word. Church, we need to read our Bibles regularly. You cannot just read your Bible on a Sunday while you're waiting for the worship service to start. That's not a very good foundation. Amen? We ought to think about what we read. Write down questions. If you, if you read something in the Bible, you don't understand it, don't just skip over. Write a question down. Bring it to me. Bring it to one of the leaders. Hey, can you explain this to me? Can you help me understand what the Bible is saying here? You know, it's it's... And here's another little hint for you. It's more beneficial to read a few scriptures thoughtfully than to try and read ten chapters and have no clue what you've read. right? As, as pastor, I would rather you read three verses in the morning every day and make a habit out of it, than once a month read the entire Gospel of John. Because you'll miss part of it. You won't understand it all. But if you read a little bit and you think about it, you know, Timothy, 2 Timothy. Is that the time? 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, all scripture. Everyone say all. all. All means all. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Amen. The word of scriptures are, as it were, breathed from the very mouth of God. That's what it means there when it says that scriptures given by inspiration of God. It means God breathed. And they are useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training, for instruction. And it says in verse 17 that the man of God may be perfect. Now, that doesn't mean perfect like we think the word perfect, it means complete. Right, furnished unto all good works. When we build the altar of our life on God's word as a foundation, our life can become complete. Our life can be ready to do what God wants it to do, because that is the foundation that we build. Amen. Joshua chapter one and verse eight in the Old Testament. Now, I know I've got a few scriptures here this morning, but this is a um, an important. Important way to start this new year. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do all that is according according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success when we constantly meditate upon God's law, we become prosperous and successful. Now hold it. Let's not start getting dollar signs going, prosperous. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible's talking about. It's talking about that our lives will be fulfilled. It means that we'll have the fruit of the Spirit growing in our heart. That's what it's talking about when we're prosperous when we meditate upon god's word when we're thinking about god's word when we when we fall asleep with god's word in our mind and we wake up and we start reading god's word it begins to have an effect on our life amen romans chapter 15 we're roaming all over the bible romans I think I might might not get all the way through my notes this morning. I think we might have to carry on with this lesson next week. Romans chapter 15. That makes more sense. Romans chapter 15 verse 4. It says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime... Or before, were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. All Scripture has significance and meaning for us today. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Amen. Scriptures teach us. Scriptures model endurance in the faith. Scripture encourages us. Scripture gives us hope. Amen. Amen. And as Christians, here's the thing, as Christians, particularly if we have been raised in the church, our parents were Christians, it is very easy for us, for all of us, to open God's Word and read it, but not actually allow it to affect our heart. You know, and this is what, this is what James is talking about. In James chapter 1, we read it right at the beginning, It says in James chapter 1 and verse 22. It says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You know, if, we are just, if we're just hearing God's word, but not doing anything about it, what God is saying here is He's saying, you are deceiving yourself. And I think that's the challenge that we have sometimes as Christians is we we lull ourselves into a false sense of security. We think, well, I I go to church and I hear God's words. I must be okay, right? Not necessarily. But unless we are allowing God's word to actually act upon our heart and unless we are taking action in our life, unless we are actually being obedient to God's word, you know, it's like when you go visit, like, there's a, there's a particular um, a lookout on the bottom of Australia, right, in South Australia, looking over the, the, um, the Great Australian Bight, it's called, the big ocean down there, right? And it's a sheer cliff. And it's like eight, nine hundred meters to the bottom. And it drops straight down. Do you know what kind of barrier they have installed there? to stop people from falling off the edge. It's a rope fence. It's about that high off the ground. It's tiny. All you need to do is just go, and then you're about that far from the very edge of the cliff. And there is a sign there, a very, very helpful sign. It says, please don't step over the rope because it's not safe. The problem we have spiritually as Christians is we read the sign of God's Word and we ignore it. And we step over the rope. You know, and, and James goes on to tell us. He says, if there of any be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, this is what he's like. He's like a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. And he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he is. Or in other words, it's like, you know, you come home, you're at work, you've just had your lunch, you're about to go out and do a really, really important meeting and you go into the bathroom and you look at yourself in the mirror and your tie is all like this and your hair is all messed up. You've been chewing on a red pen, and so you've got red ink all up the downside of your mouth. And you see some leftover lettuce from the salad you had hanging out the side here. And you think, wow, that's horrible. I better get myself fixed up before this really important meeting. And then you leave the bathroom, but you don't do anything about your face. That sounds kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? You'd think if you saw all those things wrong, you would do something about it before you went to your meeting. But here's the problem. Spiritually, that's the trap that we fall into. Sometimes, you know, we we get God's Word. It's a mirror into our hearts and into the very depths of our soul. The Bible says that it divides asunder, separating marrow and bone, and shows what's going on in our life. And we open it up and we go, oh my Lord, that's horrible then we close it and we forget what we've just seen in God's Word. And nothing changes in our lives. See, that's why we can't just be hearers of the Word. But we must be doers as well. And so being an altar requires a foundation of God's Word. And it requires more than just reading God's Word. It requires reading mindfully. It requires reading with a receptive heart that, that before you read God's Word, you say, God, you know, I want my life to be more like you, Lord. Show me, Lord, in your Scripture, what I need to change in my life. Give me a word, Lord. Make me more like you today. And it requires reading and applying it to our life. And that's the biggest thing that I can leave you with today. Why don't we all stand? We're going to we got I got another two pages of notes, so we'll continue on with this next Sunday. But don't just read God's word, but but be determined I'm going to be obedient to God's word. You see, it's it, it's in obedience that God's word begins to have an effect on us. Amen. Amen. We are kept safe when we are obedient to God's word. True story. If, 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 I tell my, if I tell my son, don't touch the stove, it's hot, and he touches it, what's going to happen? He'll get burned. But if he is obedient to what his dad's word is, hello, he's safe. If we are obedient to what our Father has given us, the Word of God, and we build our life on that, and we're determined to be obedient to everything we can find in God's Word, and we allow God's Word to to shape our life and direct our life and give us guidance, that'll start the foundation of the altar that we need for consecration and dedication in our life. Praise the Lord. Next week, we're going to continue talking about this. This is an important subject, and we're going we're gonna to talk about what fortifies our altar, and that's, that's prayer. If reading your Bible creates the foundation for your altar, it is prayer that strengthens it, and it's prayer that brings it together. We're going to talk about, about prayer next week. But for now, why don't we just close our eyes, and let's just talk to the Lord right now. Jesus, I feel your presence here this morning.